This is Music Mentality with Angie. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everyone and welcome back. I'm Angie and I'm beyond excited for this episode. Madison is just this golden light that was such a pleasure to chat with. We cover so many different topics ranging from how technology and media hinders us, the pros and cons of being exposed to so much content, art, and artists, the role that music plays in memory, which leads us to later talking about how Madison's music keeps the memory of her late friend alive. This episode can be difficult for some listeners, so please don't forget to take care of yourself. Alongside everything else that has already been listed, we touched on so many more topics like getting out of your own way, romanticizing a 9-to-5 life, the meaning of home, and practicing happiness. Now, I can keep going on and on, but that wouldn't be as fun as just giving you the chance to listen for yourself. (laughs) Find Madison's music on all streaming platforms. How are you? How have you been? I am good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited to be chatting with you today because I just love your music. And I was like, oh my God, I need to pick this girl's brain. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm really excited to be on here too, because I think that there's a lot of uh, mental health stuff with music that people don't you know, realize. And I'm such an advocate for it, like for my own personal mental health and my artist friends. I think this will be really fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that like mental health is sung about very often, but it's not talked about very often, which yeah. like leaves this gap in our conversations where people kind of just assume that artists are okay because they have um, music as their coping mechanism. But if you're in the music industry, which I remember reading about for you, if you're in the music industry, it's very anxiety inducing, but music, oh yeah, like anxiety relieving. So it's like this duel between anxiety and non-anxiety and music and the industry itself. So I'm just going to plunge right into it. How do you cope <laughs> that when like music is the very thing that helps you, but the industry is the very thing that hinders you? Oh, it's tough. I mean, like, I wish there was one thing that that helped it because uh, that's not the case. I know, like, I have a really awesome family and that that helps walking the dogs. But I think, um, like, honestly, just learning to say no, and like shutting your phone off. I feel like my phone is the worst thing in the whole world. And if I wasn't a musician, I would literally just have my landline and like nothing else. Cause I hate, I hate that I wake up and the first thing I do is I like, okay, did I get likes? What were those likes like? And like, it's so validating. And 
you know, the most validating part should just be like creating the music, but it's the reaction to people online. And that's so toxic for us because now we're literally asking strangers and especially with an app like TikTok where people just have no filter. They are so ruthless. Um, there's also like a really beautiful side of TikTok, but there's this side of TikTok where it's just like people are keyboard he heroes and like warriors and they don't care what they say to you. Like they just have to say their piece. it is so brutal and so like i think there's like no perfect way of getting over it and like you can shut your phone off and still think about it but uh, stepping away i think like that is the best thing that any of us could do and whether it's like music or podcasting or like acting or you know anything to do with like putting your music online or putting your content online the best thing we can do is like upload and walk away. Walk away. Yeah. But then walk how do you like not keep thinking about it? Because I, I know up in the morning and I'm like, okay, Ange, don't check your phone. Don't check your phone. Do okay. Fine. I'll just check my phone. <laughs> and it's oh, like, and, and then it's just like an endless loop, right? Like you, you know, you're, you're scrolling and then you go down a different path and then you're like, oh, well, this person's doing what I'm doing. Oh my God. Their numbers are so much better than me. Okay. Now I'm just not going to get out of bed today. <laughs> and, it's highly addictive, the the phone and like the social media and the, and the amount of content that we're getting, which also kind of plays a huge part in, um, I don't know if it's comparison or just feeling like you can't keep up, but like people are constantly putting out songs. People are constantly putting out videos. People are constantly putting out podcasts. I mean, like it's like kind of the same in the podcast world that it almost feels impossible to keep up and that you're just lost in this sea of creators and there's nothing special about what you're putting out. And that's not true. Like everything people true. put out. Yeah, it's not true, but it's, it's the way that social media has like caused us to feel that we're not special. We're just one in a billion or one yeah. in eight billion or whatever it is now, but you know, it's... it really does not make you feel special at all. And like, honestly, I must say I do, there's a lot of pros and cons with this era. And I've talked about this before, but, um, the best thing about this era that I do enjoy is that there seems to be space for everyone to be successful, yes. um, which is really nice. And it's like an era for independent artists and any, anyone in the arts industry. So that's really great. But at the same time, everyone's putting content out so often and you're like getting consumed. And at the end of the day, sometimes it's hard to, you know, think about, is this really my idea or is it someone else's idea? And then like, you get stuck on that whole, like anxiety, even though, I mean, art inspires art. So I don't even know if that's necessarily true, but it definitely question yourself. <laughs> well, even like on that, um, some sometimes I feel like as a songwriter you don't write a song because you're like oh this speaks to me you're like oh well this is trending so this is what I have to do and it's like a sellout and and <laughs> you know like that's so terrible but art I mean like art does inspire art and when you hear a song that you love you're like wow I want to do something like this or you get told you're like hey I want a number one and you're like oh my gosh you know okay well let's write that <laughs> and it's like you know where do you draw the line of of inspiration and then like straight up copying and that's but in your too. case your number one is also the very same song that you resonate with the most right I know which is so funny because it's it's now my favorite when I maybe like four year I guess it would have come out in 2018 so like two years ago it uh I was over it you know, I was a young artist when I had written it. I was like, oh, I've gotten better. I, you know, I'm more complex. This song is just so old and I'm over it. Um, but it was written about somebody super, super special to me uh, who recently took her life. And now it feels like 
a memory that I get to listen to all the time. And now I've kind of regained some appreciation for the lyrics when I listen to it. I'm like, wow, those are actually really complex and they match my situation better now. And it's my favorite song, uh, which is also so funny because it seems to be everybody's favorite song. <laughs> and it's so simple. I literally wrote it in 45 minutes. We had, it was terrible. We woke up at two in the morning we were going to go for this hike to watch the sunrise. She'd kind of gone through some like life-changing uh, stuff. I had just had my first heartbreak. It was so traumatic and like so sarcastic. But um, I was like, let's go and, and watch the sunrise and wash away the darkness and have like a new day be born in front of us. And so we we hiked up and like in the last 45 minutes, she's like, hey, can we like turn the music off? Um, I just want to like enjoy the silence. And we just sat and we like cried at the top of this mountain and watched the sunrise. And it was so cathartic. And I was like, this is the most incredible experience of my entire life. I'm going to go write a song about it. 45 minutes, Moments in the Mountains was written. And then I was like, okay, well, this is done. And then the BC Winter Games had reached out to me asking for a theme song. I was like, well, this is what BC is. It's like growing up in the mountains. It's creating our memories and our childhood and, and you know, reminiscing on, on what was, you know, held in these mountains. And so it just kind of like fit perfectly. And people loved it. Like it just, it made sense to them. It felt like childhood. It felt like nostalgia. And I was like, well, this is so simple. Like, how do you like this? I write complex stuff. Why do you like that? And um, it's also changed the perspective of writing music. Like it doesn't always have to be so special. It could just be like one simple thing and people love it. Yeah, but simplicity is special. I feel like we get really consumed with the idea that things need to be really complicated. And I'm so guilty of that. I remember writing a song with a few friends and being like, "Mm, this needs more metaphors. Yes. (laughs) Oh yeah. Or like, I I feel like I've kind of gotten over this, but sometimes you get this idea of like this line when you come into a session you're like okay this is what i want the song to be about and then you get controlling and you're like no okay well we need to go back to like what this was about and you like hold the song back because you just you need it to be about this and you don't like step out of the way for the song to just like do what it needs to do and so that's been a big learning curve as well as to like just get out of the way get out of the way of the song and like don't hold anything to it how do you push yourself to get out of the way when you have to do that um it was tough I feel like it's gotten easier with maturing but it's just like a matter of okay who who is this song for is it for me is it for the listeners you know do I like sometimes songwriting is like so Mm self-serving um but when you just realize you're like I'm here to write the best song I can it's a lot easier Mm -hmm. to just step out of the way you're like this is my job I want to create the best thing I can I'm with amazing people who have amazing ideas if I step in the way I'm going to squash their opinion and their awesome ideas so just you know sit down and collaborate It's collaborating hard is hard. Collaborating, collaborating is hard. Is hard. You yeah. brought up who it's for. Who is it for? You or the listeners? <laughs> no, um, I guess it depends. Like, there's a lot of artists who do it for themselves. I grew up dancing, um, so I was a really big ham. I went on stage because I wanted to make people feel good about themselves. That's why I picked up a guitar. I was like, I'm going to sing and make people feel good. So I feel like I write music and I sing. Uh, because I have a story to tell, but really I love to entertain people. I make, I love making people laugh. I love making people smile, walking away from a show, feeling good. And so for me, like creating is for the listeners and, uh, especially in a time, like, you know, the last two years, it's been super crazy and content creation is like an escape for people. And so, and that's kind of what I loved about the golden age is like, they said that music was to distract people from the biggest depression ever. And so I feel like 
no better time than now to create music and content to distract people from a very scary situation. It's true. And I mean, at the end of the day, distract yourself as well and like create this yeah. space in from the comfort of your microphone, you know, it's like, <laughs> right? it's so nice to be able to escape with music, but then the industry, the music industry brings you right back, which brings us back around to the beginning of this conversation where it's like, <laughs> it's really difficult because again, it's a duel and it's hard to get away from that duel because music is what makes you feel better, but then the industry is what doesn't make you feel better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like there's, there's definitely ways around it, like finding the right team and the right people, I feel like, but that's so hard because everybody's trying to make it. Everybody wants to be a superstar. So everybody's looking for a good team. And, um, you know, I think the team doesn't even necessarily need to be like management and labels and, and stuff like that. It can be like another artist friend who's going through the same thing that you guys like check up on every day. And you're like, hey, you also hate TikTok? Yeah. Okay. Well, at least we're in this together. together. <laughs> yeah, let's hate it together. And so I think like that's another thing too, is like getting over the competitiveness of the industry and just learning to like support each other. And it's going to be a lot easier when, when you do that. And that's also another mm -hmm. thing you know, that's easier said than done. Yeah. But, uh, it feels a lot better when, when you like the people you work with versus feel like you're competing with them, which is tough. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to like the idea of who to work with and these opportunities and opportunities, they are hard to turn down. I take on so many opportunities because I'm scared that I'm not going to get another one. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is it. Okay. This one's it. Okay. This, and all of a sudden I'm doing like 10 things at once. And I'm like, obviously not putting a hundred percent into all the things I'm doing because you can't do that. You know, I'm only yeah. in 20% into this 20% into that. So how do you know when to say no to an opportunity and walk away, especially when it seems so perfect? <laughs> I think that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think that um, it, it kind of comes with time too, right? Like being able to, it's like almost seeing opportunities as, as red flags, like X's you're like, okay, I did that. You know, I don't need to do it again. <laughs> and like, um, you, you just start to like see things as the same thing. And you're like, did this help my career to begin with? Like, no. Okay. Well, I can comfortably say no. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, researching an opportunity to like, you have, like, we need to start valuing ourselves as creators. I think a lot of people are just like, oh, we'll get a real job. And you're like, no, this is a job. And I need to value that. I, I have an opinion. I have knowledge. I can do some, you know, research and take some time and, and so I think, you know, asking the right questions for an opportunity, looking back and being like, is this actually going to help my career? Or is this going to be like a time filler? Time fillers suck. Oh, and yeah. then you go, you go through it and you're like, wow, that was a waste of time. I hate myself. And that's the last thing you want to be saying. And so I think, you know, just like really analyzing what's, what's it going to do for you? Is it worth it in the long run? Do you get paid? <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. all of these things. And uh, I think once you start like checking off your box or like list or your boxes, you start to realize that like, this is not a good opportunity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you brought that up because um, a lot of the opportunities that I bump into, well, I don't think that any opportunity is a waste of time. I do think there's always something you take from it. But totally, totally. I get what you're saying. And it's like, you can spend that time doing something that might progress you even more or something that you enjoy more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you never know who you're going to meet. And like, that's, you're, you're totally hundred percent true. It's all about perspective and you can make any great opportunity feel crappy just 
by the way that you're thinking about it or a really crappy opportunity feel great because you're like super positive but there are definitely opportunities that are gonna you know help you a little further in your career yeah oh yeah but that's a thing being in the arts industry I don't know if you like you've ever ran into this um wedge but my biggest thing is that I work quote-unquote like five full-time jobs but none of them pay yeah so it's like I don't really work and then that like makes me feel like I'm falling behind and I'm not like catching up with my friends and then you got my mom like on my shoulder being like you gotta get a job that you're actually getting paid for and I'm like oh my god soon I promise soon <laughs> well and it's it's tough like the friends who aren't in the art industry don't understand because the payoff is so much bigger in this industry too when it happens when it happens when it happens which is a tough it's a tough thing because it might it might not it's an investment but- it is an investment and people who just are content with like that nine to five, they don't understand it because it's just a different passion, right? Like, like it, and it's so funny, totally off topic and tint, like random, but I saw this thing that said, why can't I romanticize my nine to five job either? And you can, like, you just gotta yeah, pick, yeah. you gotta pick what makes you happy and like, just let everybody else pick their own thing too. And I think that has kind of been a weird judgment on the entertainment industries that people don't let them just <laughs> enjoy their you know the struggle <laughs> yeah so. that's literally what my roommate and I talked about the other day well actually it was like a month ago but she was like <laughs> um like what's wrong with the nine to five what's wrong with coming home in time for dinner and like eventually when you have a family being with that family and there's nothing wrong with it it's yeah really amazing honestly I feel like there's this whole like you know be a boss like girl boss blah 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 like yeah, that seven figures a year like no yeah, <laughs> on tiktok and it's like bro if you're not working a nine to five you're working 24 7 it's yeah. like, it's not easier and it's yeah. like you gotta wait for the payout if there even is a payout because like sometimes i feel like it, it feels like there never is and i'm sure that there is eventually if you stick to it but it is hard to stick to it especially when you have so many important things you know bills rent phone car whatever else and it's like oh, totally it's hard to manage and i feel like um social media has really glorified this idea that not working in nine to five is better and it's easy and it's like all you got to do is buckle down and like put in a little bit of work but that's not the case that's like years of commitment to yeah. risks over and over and over and being okay with failure and being okay with rejection and being okay with like falling down falling down 10 times just to like kind of get back up and like kind of like keep crawling forward because it's hard yeah it is hard. Did you see that thing? I feel like it was all over the internet where Kim Kardashian was like, people don't want to work anymore. I'm like, um, that's, you don't want to work anymore. Everybody else is working a hundred times harder than you. Like, what do you mean? Like you see people, I, I, I hate social media because I see people all the time posting constantly grinding their content is amazing and they haven't had that break and my heart hurts for them because I know what that feels like I can't imagine you know like how they feel and people just don't realize how hard content creators are working 24 7 and when you're not creating content you're looking at other people's content and then you're trying to recreate it and so it is a lot of work it is a lot of time but if you love it, I guess it's worth it. <laughs> it's not just content though. It's like, every, if it's not content, it's something else. So it's like, oh, okay. Like my content with this person is like kind of similar, but 
this person looks so much better than I do. And this person has more followers and more friends. And then like you start focusing on such superficial markers and it's difficult not to. I mean, like the whole thing with Kim Kardashian right now with her saying like, like that whole debacle about her saying that she lost 16 pounds to fit into her Matt Gala drive. Oh my gosh. Um, I have some, a little bit of controversial opinion on that though, because I don't know if you're keeping up with like what Lily Reinhardt I think that's her name. That's that's how you pronounce Ooh, it. Oh, from Riverdale? Yes, yes. Her, what she said about Kim Kardashian. But, no, I didn't. Um, essentially, once Kim Kardashian said that she like cut out uh, carbs for this month to fit into this dress and she lost 16 pounds. Mind you, I don't actually know much about this. I just kind of know briefly what Lily posted and um, I don't really know how Kim said it or anything, but essentially <laughs> Lily posted saying, hey, like we got to stop supporting these um, influencers who promote the idea that we have to restrict food and it's so stupid because like you can't do that to yourself. And I so agree. Restricting is so bad. That being said, it's really nice to know that that doesn't just happen naturally. That body doesn't just happen naturally. Yeah. Well, and like, I think that that's been another like controversial thing for the Kardashians is that a lot of them have denied having work. And it's, mm. it's pretty obvious when you see before and after photos of beautiful young Kylie Jenner to now like lips don't happen like that naturally like I'm so sorry um I wish mine would when I woke up but they don't um no shade if you like like yeah surgery or anything it's just it's like it's really disheartening to see influencers be like nope this is my natural body when it's like bro you're getting paid thousands upon thousands of dollars if not millions to do that like it is it doesn't happen naturally well, because then it makes the people who do take pride in their natural, you know, beauty and 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 looks feel not good enough. And I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I've always wanted to get, you know, my lips done or the injection in the nose or whatever. Like, it's super easy and accessible now. But being honest about it, I think, is like super important for for people who can't do it or, or you know, can't afford to do it or won't do it to know that, like, it's that's how they look. They look amazing. We can appreciate it, but it's not real. And it's not attainable for everybody. And I mean, at the end of the day, if Kim is going out there and saying, yeah, like I restricted eating to like get this body, let's face it. That is a mental health struggle that she's going through. And again, I don't keep up with the Kardashians. I don't even follow them (laughs) on Instagram, but like, it's easy to acknowledge that when you're restricting yourself and you have a bad relationship with food in order to fit into a certain item of clothing, it, you're going through something mentally. Yeah. Is- well, and I, I can't imagine what that's like to see your photo on every single tabloid as well, yeah. right? Like, even if, if I see a tagged photo on Instagram, I'm like, oh my God, I look terrible. But like, imagine seeing millions of those photos. Millions. Like, and it's that's- like, half of them aren't controlled. And it's it's scary. It's scary to be a creator, to yeah. the more people know you, the more hate that you get. That's just, that is what it is. The more love yeah. you get, the more hate you get. So that's the other thing. If you're going to be in the arts industry, you got to be okay with people disliking you and that's hard because when you're comparing yourself you got to make sure that you love yourself enough (laughs) people who don't love you totally (laughs) totally and that and that that love will change too (laughs) some days you'll love yourself more and some days you'll love yourself less (laughs) i feel like it's like this roller coaster of self-love and it's it's difficult but this conversation reminds you of one of your songs best part of me Yes. So, oh my gosh. This one line at the beginning of the song that you said, I'm going to read it off my little notes. Yeah. Um, drowning in my thoughts, but I can't ignore that. I think I kind of like it. And God, that is so relatable. That is so 
relatable. Like sometimes it's just easier to drown and to just like be in your feelings and your dark feelings and sulk in them. And you get kind of this attachment towards those feelings and that's difficult. Yeah. I think I like for myself, I know uh, when I have my down days and this is like totally just speaking from personal experience because I know mental health is so unique to everybody. Um, But anxiety is so addictive. It is so addictive to to feel down. And I know I'm definitely not the only person who, when they're feeling sad or depressed, they put on a sad song to make it work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why do we do it? It's so self-indulgent. But that's like, that's kind of what the song was about. It was like a lot of us fight that feeling. And I think it just, you know, stifles it and, mm-hmm. you know, makes it worse in the long run. And just enjoying it and, and learning to to feel that ride is part of the healing process. You know, it's, it staying in bed and crying all day is like super important. <laughs> I feel like the reason we listen to sad songs is because we get this sense of like relatability. Like we can relate to this, these people and like, you're not alone. And there are other people out there who feel this way. And it's like, yeah. it's so hard to put your thoughts into words. So when you hear a song expressing those exact thoughts, it's like, oh my God, it's cathartic. <laughs> It is cathartic. It totally is. It's like no different than watching a sad movie do like a heart, like a breakup movie after you've just gone through a breakup. You're like, oh, yeah, your ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally what it is. And that's what best part of me was like, it was just this. Um, it's okay to feel not okay. And to just let yourself cry. Cause I went into the studio. I didn't know these writers. It was a Nashville new experience for me I'd taken a 45 minute uber there was like 300 dollars out there I was Uh, already like crying and they're like well what do you want to write about today and I just like sat on his carpet and I was like I just want to cry I just want to lay on this floor (laughs) and I want to cry today and they're like well let's dive into this and I was like oh "Oh my god God. you know that is hard especially to dive into those feelings in the height of when you're feeling them that's a lot of work but does that mean best part of me was written under those circumstances oh yeah I like it was it was such a pile of two I was staying at a shared Airbnb where the day before one of the other room people had left some fecal matter in the bathroom and so so that was that was how it started and then there was like gunshots because it was like on the gentrified side of nashville and i was like mom i need to get out i'm like 21 and my mom still helps me but i'm or i was 21 at the time which i'm really proud of (laughs) my mom's helped me but i was like i need to do airbnb so she gets me to this other place that's like a oh my gosh probably like a 75 year old building and i'm like just washing my dishes all of a sudden the sink starts clogging and like all the water. It was just like one of those trips where like one thing after another happened. And so when it was time to create music, I had already spent all of my energy just trying to survive in Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, just trying to do the dishes and like wash tomato soup bowls and stuff like that. And so um, by the time I got to writing, like I was already just exhausted and, and didn't want to didn't want to be there, wanted to quit, wanted to give up. What was the point? And uh, yeah then the song was born so you know it's always worth pushing through I guess um I mean I yes definitely it's always worth pushing through but it's like (laughs) it's really nice that all of that struggle was able to be poured out into this amazing song that I absolutely love and I was like I was listening to it and again it was just so relatable because when we've been happy like when we go through like a happy phase um it's like wow 
I haven't been sad in a really long time. And then you start like getting yourself consumed into that. And then it's like, well, I haven't been depressed in a really long time. What is going on? I don't know if I like this anymore because like there's something about relating to other people who are depressed. Oh, I know. It's like, I feel like depression is super and like being depressed is different than feeling depressed too. And I feel like that's been something I've learned because I've never been depressed, but I've definitely had depressed moments. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I've had friends who have been clinically depressed, really struggled. Obviously my friend, she took her life. That is such a different feeling and I will never be able to experience that uh, or like be able to share my own personal experience, but I can empathize with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that uh, when, when she would be down, it was almost, um, and I don't know if it was a, just a weird like way of trying to connect with her and make her feel more comfortable, but immediately I would feel depressed. Like it was almost contagious or it was like this way of trying to make her feel comfortable or, and, and I think that um, sometimes it probably comes off as insensitive for a lot of people that do that to, to people who are struggling with mental health. But I actually think it's a way for people to be like, oh, well, if I feel this way, then we can feel this way together and you can feel comfortable with me. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. But it's so weird. The mind is such a weird thing. I'm so sorry to hear about your friend. Yeah, thank you. It's It's been um, a learning experience. I think um, losing somebody to suicide is, it's such a unique um, adventure in its own. And there's a lot of mental health that it plays on for, um, I think we're called suicide victims. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, guilt. There's a lot of um, regret. I wish I could go back in time. A lot of like personal sadness and and heartbreak. But um, it's been definitely an opportunity to talk through my music, talk through my social media platforms that um, it's so important to talk about. Because when we talk about it, 
then people who are feeling it and struggling, it will feel more confident and safe to talk about it with the other people. Cause I think that there's a stigma. There's always going to be a stigma around, you know, depression and, and suicide. Cause I think it scares people. We don't understand what goes on in the mind. So it's just better to, um, pretend like it doesn't exist. And so I think it's really important to talk about it in any way so that, uh, the conversation is just easier throughout time. I mean, that's like a huge, I mean, I guess I learned lesson to like talk about, to talk, to talk, to always talk because it's difficult. I feel like, um, with the stigma, people are scared to ask questions and that is reasonable. I get that. Like when you see scars on someone, it's, it's insensitive to point them out, obviously, but also it's really nice to provide that platform and that safe space to be like, Hey, like we can talk about this and I will not judge you because this is like your natural feelings. And to all those adults who are like, Oh, but it's all in your head. Yeah. Yeah. It is in my head. Where else would it be? Like it is, (laughs) but that doesn't make it any less real. Yeah. Well, and like, I, um, I had this uh, podcast with a friend. He had also lost his brother and we were talking about it. And um, I think one of us had said like, she was sick, you know? And like, that's a way of talking about, like when people say mental health, they think it's all, it's not like an actual illness. It's not a sickness, but it's a disease. Like being mm-hmm. mentally unwell is a disease and people need to treat it that way. Like they need to take it seriously. They need to realize that this is somebody who is not feeling well and we need to respect them and like offer the help we would to somebody with a broken arm. Like there's, there's no difference. I'm sorry. Somebody who has depression and somebody who's broken their arm, they're both, they both need help. Like that's just it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's the same. Somebody could break their arm and not want help. You can't force somebody to have help, but at the end of the day, like medical help is needed. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, like the talking part is so important and, and people don't want to be a burden mm-hmm. and people are afraid to ask questions because they don't want to be insensitive. But I think just um, talking about it is always going to be the best way. Yeah. So if there's anything you can tell your friend, what would it be? Uh, a million things. If I, uh, there's, you always play that. I wish I could go back in time and do this or say that. Um, but I just wish I could tell her I love her. One more time. Um, I know nothing I say would change um, how she felt and how heroic of me to think that I I could have back when she first took her life. That was very like narcissistic of me to be like, oh, I wish I had have, you know, done this because I would have saved her. Like, that's not the case, Um, which was another big pill to swallow to know that I couldn't have. but I actually have her grad photo. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm talking to her right now, but um, I just never stop talking to her. Right. Yeah. We, she was a really big part of my family and she had kind of become like a adopted sister. Almost. She like spent so much time with my parents and they were just as hurt when she, when she took her life. And I would just tell her that I love her and that she, uh, she was never a burden and that I would have talked to her no matter what. But mm-hmm. I know that, uh, that decision she made was the decision she needed to make for herself. Mm. And um, there was a lot of anger, I think, too. Like, I think a lot of people that go through it, and just from talking to, like, people that lost her as well, I, it's been, like, a common theme for all of us. So I can't obviously speak to other people's experiences with losing somebody to suicide, um, but I can share <laughs> a lot of us that lost her. And there was anger. There was, like, this, how could you do this? How could you do this to us? And I think that through like the healing experience, it was like, oh, I just, I love you. You needed to do this 
for yourself. You, we couldn't have changed your mind. Um, and there's, yeah, it's sad. It really is sad. Like nothing will take away from that, but there's just like healing moments of it. I definitely agree that it was not on you, but I don't <laughs> think it's narcissistic of you to think that because I think when it something as traumatic as that happens, I mean, it's, it's not narcissistic at all. It's like, it's natural for humans to be like, I wish I could have done X, Y, Z. I mean, don't ponder, don't go back and ponder on those thoughts. Absolutely don't. Because again, like you said, she needed to do this for herself, but I wouldn't blame you for feeling the ways that you're feeling because I mean, oh, totally. so complex. Like we think of so many different things. There's so many different emotions that happen at the same time. We can be like healing and we can be destructive and we can be hurting and then we can be happy all at the same time. And it's yeah. scary. That's like, we are very multifaceted and that is difficult to maneuver around. Yeah. Well, and like grief itself is so complex and, yeah. uh, uh, so she had actually lost her brother two years prior to testicular cancer. And that was kind of just a bit of a decline for her. And she has a younger brother and we stay very in touch and stuff like that. And just even seeing the way that they both grieved losing the middle brother was so interesting. Like there's just such a different process in grieving people mm-hmm. and um, like some find peace and some don't like mm-hmm. some just constantly wonder. And I think death is also like a super complex thing for people to comprehend it's um so final some of like depending on what your beliefs are some people can find peace through like a spirituality reasoning some of us just make up stories on our head to be able to cope with it easier but yeah it's really interesting just to see the way that each person deals with something like this differently Uh, and i feel like the fear of death comes from the fear of unknown and the fear of change because I mean, let's face it, what happens after death? That's like the number one thing that people do not know. That's like the most debated question. No one knows what happens after. So it's only natural to be afraid of it because it's plunging into this space of unknowing and like, yeah, just not knowing what the hell's going to happen. And like, where is she now? And what is she doing now? And I don't know about your beliefs, but I know that like, I have my beliefs and like, um, I don't think that life is it after someone dies. There's got to be more to it. Like we, we, this is so magic. We live, live on a like spinning rock in the middle of the galaxy. Like how can there not be more? Like know, it's, right? it's, it's so bizarre. And, um, it's so, like, I grew up in a very Christian home. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of step back from the church. There's a lot of like debate between like spirituality and religion. And we've mm-hmm. definitely come into like our own spirituality now. And, um, I think my parents said this as I was growing up as as a little girl and I was like, well, what if it's not real? You know, they said, well, isn't it better to feel like you've lived and believed and had faith in something growing up your whole life than to feel like you didn't believe in anything at all. And I think that that's been like my biggest lesson as an adult now is like, it doesn't matter what you believe in. It's just better to believe in something. You know what? Like, (laughs) so it doesn't matter what you believe in. I respect you for just believing in something because it's really hard to do that. It is hard to do that. I mean, I guess that kind of goes for like the bigger picture as well. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like who knows? Maybe like, maybe you'll be attending the Met Gala next year. You don't know, <laughs> but it's always more fun to believe in it than not to believe in it. Right. Exactly. So yeah. Believe in yourself than not to believe in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to believe that, you know, there's life out there. I want to believe that there's life after death and I want to believe that butterflies are people reincarnated. And so I will. <laughs> 
yeah, I want to believe that tomorrow will be better than today. And I think that's a pretty great, simple belief that, you know, helps me get through the day. You know, tomorrow yeah. is an entirely new day. And that's a thing. Like, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's all in our heads. And we don't know what happened. In, I mean, we do know what happened in the past. But that's all in our heads as well. So like this yeah. moment is the only real moment. And it's like, that's crazy to me. Um, but going back to the beginning of this conversation, your friend and moments in the mountains, I, it's crazy because listening to that song, no one would know that story until they know that story. Yeah. But the main foundation of the song is like bringing me back home and you say home a lot. Yeah. Uh, So what does home mean to you? Home used to mean a place. Um, but now home means the people. And uh, we actually, my fiance and I just recently bought a house in a different province. We're renovating it right now. So home will always be BC. But um, right now, this was just like an opportunity for us to be able to afford a house, which is another whole topic. Um, but home is when like my parents visit and I get to see my brother and my niece and my sister-in-law. And like, it's the people around you that that's home. It, it has nothing to do with the place anymore. Growing up, I think that's what I thought. Thought it was the mountains, but no, it's just it's it's your people. That's what home is. To it me. sounds like this song is a good place of home because it brings you back to your friend over and over every single yeah. time I listen to it, which is so nice. And I mean, your friend is obviously home as well, but like, it's nice that this song is like this little momentum that you can hold with you everywhere you go and that's what I love about music like I can listen to a song and be taken back to the age of four years old and it's like music is a form of time travel yes oh my gosh totally (laughs) it's so like that just resonated with me I never (laughs) thought of it like that but that is so true it it connects people and it connects you with your with your past and and it's also like it's a time traveler to go like back, but it's also a way to see your future. Like I've just recently started listening to some like 1940s romance songs. And it's so easy to picture the future when you listen to that. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like, we've got a ghost in our house and he's like, here you go. You know, this is what I lived. So this is your life. But I, something about music is also really easy to like see and envision what your, your future will be like as well. So that's so yeah, I just literally just came across a Billie Eilish song called My Future or The Future, I don't even remember. But it's literally about like, I'm so in love with my future and I don't even know what it is yet, but I'm just in love with her. And I was like, whoa, this made me feel like, this made me think about my future and yeah. being like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year, but this is so cool because I can be in love with something I don't even know yet. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's also back to like, the biggest trend on TikTok, which is like the manifesting thing. And it's so it's so commercial now, but it's so true. Like it it is, is. (laughs) it's so commercial now. It's almost funny to see like use this sound and you know, oh I know ever will happen to you by five o'clock. I'm like, no, I see those and I'm like, uh next. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. But I'll just say that. Let me just try. Yeah, right. You're like, I'll comment for good luck. (laughs) Literally. And it like it reminds me of chain mails way back when. Like getting those emails where it's like, if you don't send this to 15 other people, like this person's gonna come and haunt you in your sleep. (laughs) Oh yeah, or like five of the closest people in your life will die, or you know what, like whatever that stuff was. But no, I, I do believe in the manifestation and I feel like 
that is the whole future and like picturing yourself. I just started reading this book called like Becoming Supernatural. And it's all about just like being positive. Like it's so crazy what changing the shift in, you know, your the way that you think about yourself or the way that you think about your future, the things that you say, like I've tried to stop being like, oh, I'll never make it because I won't if I keep saying that. Mm-hmm. If I'm just like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to make it happen. The things are going to happen that need to happen. I'm going to be successful. Like those things will start to manifest and mm-hmm. um yeah. Well, I think that the common denominator between all of these uh, manifesting videos is that it comes back to believing. Just believing. And I think that like as you know, as like Tinkerbell as it sounds, it's like just believe in yourself, but it's true because when you believe in it, you start working towards it on a subconscious level without you even realizing it. And you put in that work and you you believe in yourself and you keep going even when things get hard, you're like, but I believe in it. And the thing is, positivity and happiness mind you, I'm a believer in toxic positivity. I think it, there's a time and place to not be positive. But yeah think that positivity and happiness is a lot of work and it's a lot of energy, but at the end of the day, it is worth it because I mean, just last month I lost a job and it's so weird. My first thought without even realizing was, oh my God, that means the universe is making space for something even better in my life. And I just got so excited. And then like after an hour of excitement, I was like, what the hell am I excited over the fact that I lost a job? (laughs) what is happening to me (laughs) but that's that's so funny because like that would take that would take time to train yourself that that that's what you would think like most people would just be like oh my god I lost my job I hate my life and like spiral into this you know negative feeling but that takes time to train yourself to be like oh this is a sign for something greater Oh yeah. It took a lot of training and mind you, like I definitely went through a lot of turbulence to get there. Um, (laughs) It doesn't just happen. It definitely doesn't, but that's what I mean. It's like convincing, not even convincing yourself, but practicing happiness, gratitude, and positivity, even in the face of darkness and difficulty. Um, It's hard, but it's worth it. (laughs) Well, I just, I was talking to a friend, she's doing the 75 hard, which seems like another crazy plan experience all on its own. But she said one of the biggest- the 75 hard have you heard that where it's like you wake up every day before six you work out twice before 12 you drink a gallon of water you read 10 pages of self there's like this whole you know list of it's like a physical self like physical challenge and then also like a mental challenge Mm -hmm. but she said the biggest thing that she read uh the last two days was that anytime you think one negative thing about a person you have to think 10 positive and she's like that is the hardest thing because you bump into a stranger and you're immediately like what the hell you now have to come up with like 10 positive things about them (laughs) and she's like it is so hard (laughs) it's so hard to do but it totally changes it like almost trains you to not think negatively about people to be like oh okay well if I think negative like it's gonna be a lot more work for me to retrain myself to be positive and so I just thought that was a really interesting concept that like if we start training ourselves to like counterbalance the negativity we'll just stop thinking the negativity or like stop going there because it's so easy it comes back to like the self-indulgent like when we're sad it's like a lot easier to just continue to be sad than it is to get out of being oh, sad yeah. oh yeah it's a, like when you're angry when you're negative it's just a lot easier to keep going down that path than it is to be like okay let's pull back in it's not that bad you know yeah. what i mean so i do i think again like feeling those anger sadness even jealousy like all of these quote unquote, ugly feelings. I think they're important. They're very important. Yeah. Yeah, There's a reason our brains feel them. I mean, like 
some of them are even inherent, like fear. That's an inherent feeling that we're kind of born with. Like there's two things that we're afraid of when we're first born. I think one of them is like the fear of heights or something. I don't even remember, but, um, never grew out of it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I guess some of us grow out of it. Some of us don't, but we love you. What are you going to (laughs) do? Um, which is ironic because you like the mountains. (laughs) I know. Right. I like the mountains, but like still on the ground (laughs) looking up at them. But it's like, um, all of those feelings are very necessary to feel and it's okay to feel them. I think it's just like, it's kind of like letting your, the talk about ego. So like a lot of people don't like ego and they're like, we got to get rid of the ego, but I don't think ego's bad necessarily. There's a reason we have an ego. I just think that the ego, ego cannot be the driver. It's got to be the passenger. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the same thing with all our other feelings. It's like, we got to know who's the driver. Who's going to be the driver today, you know, and you can switch them out. You are in control of the car. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the balance of it all too. You know what I mean? Like that is so hard. And I've always said to myself personally, just my own personal, I definitely choose my own happiness. Um, It comes back to like those opportunities. Like Mm -hmm. you make a good opportunity if you want to make a good opportunity and I can make a good day if I want to. And I've gotten better at like, I'm so bad for this. Like if I fight with my fiance, it's a lot easier to just be mad. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sometimes, sometimes I just want to like continue to be mad. He's like, what's wrong? Nothing. And you're like still <laughs> mad. But it's a lot harder to be like, okay, well this um one particular moment that caused a fight is over. Why am I still mad? It's so much harder to just be like, okay, that's over. I'm done. We're moving on and we're going to have a good day. But it's so important for me. Like, and I know I can choose that moment and that like switch and that happiness for me and to not waste the rest of my day being upset over something that is no longer affecting me and that's totally just like my own personal experience and that's not everybody's case but I also know my mom is the same and we do the same because you know generational but like I can choose my own happiness and I think that that's another reminder for myself to be able to do it's hard to choose happiness. It it definitely doesn't just happen, but I definitely get what you mean. Like I'm the exact same way where something will have passed or even worse, something will happen. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then a week later, I'm like, wait, I'm mad. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Or like something will happen and you're like, definitely not upset, but then you kind of replay the conversation. You're like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. This did upset me. And I'm just going to make you figure it out. (laughs) And I'm like, why do I, why do I, it's so self-sabotaging. It but... is self-sabotaging, but I think it's like, it's just a matter of, you know, um, our minds catching up with what is going on. And like, all of us work at such different paces and it, yeah. I mean, it's not like we have a certain degree of control over our feelings, but it's not like we can just be like happy and then sad. And then all of a sudden back to happy. I mean, it, it takes time to cope the with transition, them, like, process them and like digest and then let them go. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> who, I mean, I guess this is kind of like an abrupt <laughs> topic change, but, um, I wanted to talk about who your biggest inspirations are when it comes to writing music. To writing music. Oh, um, I don't know. Like that's so tough. I listen to everything now. I mean, um, I used to say I hated country, but I, I'd list, I'll throw that on. I'll throw on some rap. <laughs> I'll throw on some pop. I'll throw on some indie folk. So I think it's just like um, somebody that I feel like does like a perfect balance of that. And like everybody always says, oh, I'm inspired by Ed Sheeran. But like it's so true. Ed Sheeran is like such a perfect balance of like telling a story, creating a hooky song, getting people to cry, getting people to like 
wow. imagine their past, pen, like um, present and future and all that. And so I just feel like that's, you know, like an iconic inspiration. Julie Michaels does a really good job of that too. Um, but then you have like, you know, people like Amy Winehouse who had like such complex lyrics. You have, you know, people like Miley Cyrus who like just does not give a shit. <laughs> and you're just like, that is the vibe today. So, I mean, inspiration kind of just strikes wherever. And yeah. uh, I guess it depends on who I wake up that morning as. <laughs> it's Oh my God. I'm so happy that you said that. So the other week I was chatting with my friend and I was like, I woke up and I was just washing my face and she's like, you seem like you're really thinking about something. And I'm like, yeah, I just, I don't know who I am today. And she's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I just, I don't know who I am today. She's like, that is such a weird thought, but like, I don't know every day I wake up and I'm like, I'm feeling like I don't give a shit. And then the next day I'm like, I feel very in my feels. And then the next day I'm like, I feel like a badass bitch. And then the next yes. day, it, it just keeps going. It keeps going. And then like, I'm constantly changing. And that goes back to the fact that humans are so multifaceted and complex and that we are so many different people at the same time. Like, like it's crazy. I, I, one of your songs average, <laughs> love that song <laughs> literally it gives me like lizzo feels like I'll yes. listen to it and i'm like hell yeah like this is amazing i feel so like empowered right now yes um this guy is boring yeah <laughs> um and it's funny because like again i feel like that song reminds me of the same feelings as lizzo gives me yes Your other music reminds me of other artists yeah and- reminds me of you obviously as an artist all of them <laughs> back to you you're the common denominator obviously but um like I said music inspires art I mean art inspires art and um it's really nice to see that connection between the music that we listen to and the artists that we listen to and it's like builds this community of people who are all feeling very similar ways and allow their audience to feel all these different similar ways and it's beautiful yeah well I always hated like in the beginning of my music journey, I guess, people were always like, you need to find your sound. And I'm like, yeah, I need to find my sound and my brand. And like, that is so not true. We are so evolving and like life itself is moving so quickly. And like Mm -hmm. what's trending is switching within like weeks. And I think TikTok's been kind of bad for that. Like we've definitely cultivated a one hit wonder Mm -hmm. um, sort of environment. But um I think it's like, it is okay to have identity crises every day. I do myself. Like, I I don't know if anybody else did this growing up, but I would be so heavily influenced by a movie. So like Pirates of the Caribbean. Hell yeah, I was going to be a, I was going to be a freaking pirate. (laughs) Like nobody was going to tell me no. (laughs) Like that was, that was my day. Like I was still, I like even to this, you know, point in my life like I'm still super influenced by people KJP every time he comes up on my (laughs) my page his like wanderlust fall autumn lifestyle I'm like I'm just gonna become I'm gonna become like a fall blogger like screw the music industry (laughs) oh my god yes like it is so okay to be easily influenced by things like that and I I think think that's great like people inspire you what that's amazing that's such a beautiful big bang theory right now and I catch myself embodying Sheldon (laughs) (laughs) saying that is not something I normally say what is going on oh yeah like I think that that's that's totally normal Gilmore Girls does that for me like for some reason I'm like I'm going to move to a small town and open a diner and this is going to, I'm going to be so happy doing this. That's so not the case. Like it's also super toxic to think that like my life will be like a show, but it's okay to like, 
to try new things and to experience and create and like be inspired by different things. And it's the same with the music industry. I think that when you get stuck doing one thing, like it becomes very like for myself, it becomes like super scary to just be doing the same thing for the rest of my life. That's why Miley Cyrus inspires me some days to write like a bad bitch anthem and then editing because I want to write something indie folky and poppy and like that makes everybody feel in their feels. And that's just like, I think that's the nature of being an artist or like a creative that you just find inspiration in everything. And mm -hmm. you don't need to, you don't need to find that lane. Like pick 500 and do them all if you yeah, want. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you are until you're not. So like you yeah. can you can be a freaking pop artist until you realize, oh, I'm inspired by this person. And then that motivates you to try country. And then all of a sudden you fall in love with something that you never even knew that you could love. And you yeah. don't know it until you try it. So I think it's totally okay to be inspired and motivated. Like you don't know that you're going to fall in love with owning a diner until you do. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but no cell phones ever. You know, oh, we're going to no. stick with the Gilmore Girls vibe. Yes. <laughs> no cell phones. <laughs> Are you kidding me? When I was watching Gilmore Girls, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to go to Harvard. <laughs> I know. I'm going to get bangs. You know, I'm going to get bangs and I'm going to start wearing like, you know, uniforms. Terrible. Chilt uniform would have <laughs> never looked good on me. Yeah. And I was too, I'm too old to be, you know, 16 year old mom. So I could never be Lorelai. So I had to be Rory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, right? But yeah, that was, that was me growing up. I'm sure my parents can also agree that I was heavily influenced by <laughs> you know, media around me and I would change what I wanted to be every day, but that's just but a part thing. of it's beautiful. But also that is what makes social media and our phones very dangerous because we're yeah. chasing to become someone else. Yeah. Um, there's a line between being inspired and becoming someone else. And that line yeah. is really, really thin one and really difficult to see. And mind you, like I've had moments where I've wanted to become someone else so much that I embody too much of who they are. And then I lose the sense of me um yeah. in reality i could just be inspired and motivated and like learn from that person and like take the things that i've learned into my own personality and like try new things but um you shouldn't ever become entirely someone else that's that's where the line is <laughs> yeah that like obsession and inspiration are kind of like they're yeah. both two super passionate things yeah. and you know i think we can get that that emotion like super confused i've i know i've been like caught up in the oh my god this creator wore this jacket so like i should get this jacket because it'll make me successful yeah. and that's not the case you know like it's i talk and like talk about product placement you know what i mean oh yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah are you kidding do you remember that well okay i grew up on hannah montana and i just oh yeah that one episode of hannah montana where she says that she doesn't like carrots and now all of a sudden all of her fans are refusing to eat carrots <laughs> Oh my gosh. There was so much where like, we just, you know, you like, you just follow it. Right. Like, mm -hmm. and, uh, it's definitely still, still prevalent. Like the garlic challenge where everybody was like doing like the sriracha and dill, like everybody just does it. You know what I mean? Like, like hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
it's we're so influenced by TikTok where it's just like, well, if they're doing it, like I got to like it's rel- it, like if they're going to jump off the bridge, of course I'm going to do it. But I think that that whole like coming back to like stepping back and like putting your phone away, like it's okay to spend some time and like to create, but also like getting back to going outside and like mm-hmm. meeting people and you know, it's it's important to have like two different lives. <laughs> It's true. And do you remember when Taylor Swift came out in that song and she was like, um, old Taylor's dead (laughs) and everyone got so mad. But now that I'm a little bit older, I'm like, oh yeah, preach girl, like become whoever the hell you want to become. Evolve. Evolve. Like there's nothing bad with evolving and people are going to tell you that it's bad and to slow down. And the worst thing that like, I remember people always told me as an insult, like, and you've changed. Yeah, bro. What the hell? If I'm not changing, then I'm not evolving. <laughs> yeah, I think people are scared of change. Like those who yeah. those who make those comments are scared to do it themselves. And so it's probably like out of a, a jealousy thing or, you know, like a, I would I, I can't believe you're changing and I'm not or like. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, just do you. You know what I mean? <laughs> change can be very scary, especially when it's unprepared change and it kind of like gets ripped out from underneath you and like all of a sudden life has to change Um, and I'm sure you can resonate with that feeling oh yeah it's a hard one but at the end of the day it's also such a great one because um it really evolves us and pushes us to our next level like it's like a little level up (laughs) like yeah like if if, Bowser right if if you never change you'd still be being influenced by Pirates of the Caribbean and I would be waking up (laughs) thinking I could be a pirate today so like change is so important And it's hard to appreciate it until you look back at like a bigger timeline and you're like, wow, when I was four, such a different kid than I am at 24. That's because I changed. Like I evolved. I had experiences that made me who I am and opened up my eyes to like see new things and see them differently. And uh, yeah, change is important. And I think it is hard, but it's everybody goes at their own pace too. Like that's the other thing. No human experience is ever going to be the same and we all need to let everybody experience it at their own pace their own way and and stop judging each other for it oh my god you're absolutely right and with that um an hour just flew by right (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna wrap it up here but is there anything else you would like to add i just wanted to say thanks you know i think not everybody um takes the time to look into the music industry and ask people what their opinion is on mental health like we're just sometimes a form of entertainment for others so what you're doing is you know like super important and really appreciated from the perspective of an artist thank you so much I really appreciate that yeah (laughs) I really hope to have you again at some time like keep up with your changes yes I'm gonna be a whole new person in like six weeks after I watch a a Marvel series I'll be a superhero (laughs) or something (laughs) well I'm excited to meet her (laughs) yes me too (laughs) all right have an amazing day and amazing week thank you so much you too and I can't wait to uh to be able to share this when it comes out Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you're an artist and you've got a story to share with a passion for music, please do reach out. Whether you're just starting out or you've been in the music industry for years, I would love to hear your story. Follow me on Instagram through my handle at Music Mentality with Angie. Or email me at Music Mentality with Angie at gmail.com. 
finally, a huge shout out and thank you to the amazing editor behind these episodes, Aileen Tamer. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time.